It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where a Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give each other grace and space to do that. It is time for Faith and Life to connect, or in some cases collide, if you choose, <laughs> here on Rise FM. I'm Scott, here with Tom, the king of the cranium, yes. on the podcast network at risefmohio.com. And we are going to maybe conclude uh-huh. our conversation about premarital counseling today. Uh, last week, we went through a uh, an entire group of questions and topics, and you can catch up on that at the podcast network at risefmohio.com. So today we're going to dive specifically into a program that Tom actually uses in his premarital counseling. But before we dive in, we go to God's Word, Tom. Out of Paul's writings in Ephesians 5, 21, submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. If we are right with Jesus, if we are growing close to him, then submission, either direction, is really not a, a, a big deal. We're submitting to the relationship that we have with each other and we're also submitting then to the relationship we have with jesus so it makes it very interesting kind of brings it all full circle yeah all right yeah so as we go through premarital counseling there are some things i i guess the first thing you start with what are your life goals probably the first thing you ought to talk about the thing of it is if you don't get those right then you could have, what if you had someone who was very much connected, desiring to go on missions in some foreign country, and their person that they're thinking about marrying is like, well, you know, I really wanted to start my own business here in town, and you know what, my parents say they'll help me. And so if you don't have life goals that are the same, you're going to be running into head-on collision waiting to happen. And you're kind of setting yourselves up for failure. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the biggest issues that couples have is finances. I, right. I think that's probably a given that more marriages have problems because of finances than just about anything else. So I know there are things you cover, right? Like how are you going to handle bank accounts right now? You have separate bank accounts. You're going to put them together. They're going to be separate. Right. How do, you, how do you do that? Well, right. And so that becomes really important. You want to have that conversation. We talk about a common purse in Christian marriage. Typically, that belongs to the wife, but uh, yes, <laughs> she's really happy about it. But so anyway, the whole idea of joining them together, we're talking about one. That's really critically important. And so that particular account is what maybe you pay the bills out of. It's not out of the realm of possibilities that you might have other accounts that you might use toward savings or in some cases, putting money aside that you want to invest into, you know, an IRA or into the mutual funds or something like that. And so anyhow, that becomes really important. When you talk about the whole idea of communication about finances, it probably ranks without looking in the top three 
of reasons why couples come into counseling. But when you think about it, this is interesting too. The number one reason is communication. But when you talk about communication in marriage, you talk about all the different areas of marriage where you don't communicate. <laughs> so it creates issues across the board in a, exactly. in a lot of areas. Like who's going to pay the bills? Well, that's really important too. And I really believe that you defer to the strengths in marriages. So just imagine if you had a situation where the person who was not gifted in uh, paying the bills was paying the bills and the one who was gifted was watching and getting more and more frustrated all the time. Again, that's that's a, an explosion waiting to happen. It's a head-on collision on the communication highway. But you know what? There are people that are detail-oriented and then there are people who aren't. Yes, I, I am not either. <laughs> yes, I see that hand, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Our children got the detail orientation from their moms, certainly not from me. But so anyway, then there was research for a long time about left-brained and right-brained and whole-brained people. Left-brained people are more the business-minded people. They're more detail-oriented. They have, understand what's a good deal and what isn't. They understand how to balance a checkbook. And then there are the right brain people who might want to create a whole different system of how to pay the bills. Right. So they're not going to be necessarily as good because they're creative. They're not as detail oriented. So we want to discover who that is in the marriage and that we defer to those strengths. And we, I know Sherry and I had that conversation. It started, I was paying the bills. Mm-hmm. And then when I think I'm probably right brain because I just looked at him once and went, yeah, I don't think we can pay those this time. So I just didn't. <laughs> and then we realized that why am I doing this when my wife is the one with the accounting degree? Yes. <laughs> and But be ready for changes down the line because now she doesn't want to do them anymore and she's trying to get me to do them. So you have to be ready for, you know, flexibility. Well, and that's really important too. I started out paying them too early in our marriage and- my wife said, you sure you don't want me to do it? <laughs> and then a little while later, are you really sure, Tom? <laughs> it took that light bulb a while to click, I think, yeah, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, and bless her heart, she she is also the CFO of Heritage. So she handles the whole thing then. Yeah, she, yeah. she really understands a lot more than I do. Yeah, we're talking about premarital counseling today on the session, and Tom, couples are going to disagree. Right. Okay? There are going to be times when, you know, one of you wants to take a vacation to Disney, and the other one wants to do a staycation and visit parks. Right. How are you going to handle, I, I guess one of the key issues is going to be how do you handle those disagreements about finances? When you want to put money here, but not here, but the other one wants to do it the other way around. Or how much uh, yeah. do you spend on Christmas? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. You want to talk about, oh. Oh, oh yeah. I was really shocked to find out in reality how much we did spend on Christmas. But here's here's an interesting tool on the communication highway. It's called issues and events. The worst time to talk about an issue is when it's happening as an event before your very eyes. We may have talked about that in the past. An example would be the worst time to talk about being late to church is when you're 10 minutes late and... In the car on the way. Yeah, probably not going to go well. <laughs> That's, that never ends well for anybody. Uh, that's concerned. right. Another example that I, I use at Heritage, too, is the worst time to tell your wife that you don't like meatloaf 
is when she's putting it down in front of you. You might likely be wearing it at that point. Yeah, so we want to talk about these kinds of things when they're not an event. But then also, one of the huge things that I think across the board, I would list on a very short list of the most important things to do in Christian marriage is honoring. We honor the differences. So honoring, I'm sure we've talked in previous shows about it, but to review it, it's what you do with the differences. You honor the person, even though you may not necessarily agree. So the thing that becomes important is we find, I want to say a medium, we want to find a middle ground there. That also, those kinds of discussions, it's interesting. Are we going to go to Disney World or are we going are we going is it Disney World or Disneyland in Florida? It depends on where you, oh uh world. There. If we're gonna go there or are we gonna stay home, well those kinds of things determine who has the power in the marriage. It's really interesting. Well, if I win, then I have the power. I'm not so sure that's what the kind of communication highway you want where it's the survival of the fittest. Right. It's supposed to be the survival of the two have become one. Right. Right. Yeah. Where you survive together. So let's go ahead and jump into this, Tom. Let's jump into what you do with your premarital counseling. Okay. Interesting. And this program is called Prepare. Right. And starting from the beginning, I really like the fact we call it Prepare because... It's an acronym for Preparing for Marriage. Right. And it prepares them for marriage. And it prepares you to succeed. Yes. And that's what I think is so important. We were, that key right there is we put them in position to be successful so that they can grow. We can celebrate their success. And there they, it is. They, yes. See, I wonder. It's been a while since we've gotten to that, Tom. Yeah, that's right. Heaven forbid. But way to go, Scott. <laughs> we got there today. We should celebrate that. So when we, when we begin to talk about prepare, Scott, I would say that back when I was in the classroom, and I was praying about and going into counseling, premarital counseling and young couples was an incredibly important part of my heart that I wanted to be able to impact marriage. So even in seminary, I decided I was going to become a preparer provider. So, you know, you had to go through training and it was a price involved. And so for a good 25 years, I have been a preparer provider they used to have enrich which enrich would enrich those who were already married it would enrich their marriages but pretty much today it's prepare because they had some changes here we go some of the things that we talk about is what happens is the couple goes online they fill out this questionnaire this maybe 160 questions of you answer oh wow that's thorough yeah, it wow. co- and it covers 15 key areas of the relationship. Historically, it would cover 15 key areas and report with 85 to 88% accuracy. Strengths, possible strengths, possible weaknesses, or growth areas. And so basically, you can't flunk this. The worst that's going to come out is you have an area, it, it red flags as, a growth area. Well, so let's work on that area so that when you say I do, it doesn't become problematic. Well, that becomes really good. Yeah, that would that way I do doesn't become why did I? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Probably not the right question. 
Yeah, once you say I do, that's the end of that. There we go. Yeah. All right, so when we look at just kind of the 30,000-foot view of Prepare, Tom, what are we looking at? Well, yeah, they fill out the survey. It goes to Prepare, Life Innovations, they take care of Prepare. It comes to me in an email, and I download it, and then I go over it with them. I use my iPad, and we go through each section. So, and ideally, I want it to be good for them. I want them to have fun doing it so it makes it more doable for them to come back they want to come back so i poke some fun at some of the funny sides after you know 47 years of marriage that <laughs> i i have learned myself is it 47 oh, yeah, <laughs> maybe it was the second grade playground not the third grade playground <laughs> no, 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 no. yes maybe so <laughs> the graphs that they show the the different sections was discusses things like overall satisfaction today in the relationship. How is the male feeling satisfied? Is he very satisfied? Very high? Is he just okay? Average? Low or very low? So, and then they they talk about it. So then we get into some the things that really light me up. I really like this. <laughs> this is good. And they have to put up with me with, no. Um, so we're talking about relationship dynamics. Did you know that there were dynamics in relationships? Well, I've kind of learned that from you over the years, <laughs> that there are, there are some. Yeah. So in your relationship, and if you were to think about your relationship with Sherry, who's more assertive? You don't have to answer if you don't want to. <laughs> but It can tend to be Sherry. Shared. Mm-hmm. No, Sherry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Should take a middle ground there. I'm just a way to go. No, Scott. no, I, I, no. Yeah, but that's something we have had to learn over the years, right? That it needs to be more shared, and she's been learning to not push as hard. I've been learning to push more. There we go. So that there are areas that we are growing in together. Now it's how do we handle the differences? Now, now it's coming down to how can we handle the differences, and how can we talk through things as opposed to a collision of ideas. So then also, well, another dynamic would be self-confidence. How self-confident are you in the relationship? And I really want to say, I think when we talk about Dr. Egrich's love and respect writings, where he talks about our wives want to feel loved, cherished, valued, and important. And when they feel those, they're driven to sow into our lives that we're respected. And when we feel that, we're driven to... So love, cherish, valued, and important. And what that does is it creates the energizing cycle. Now, the reason why I bring that up is this, because the thing that becomes really important is that really builds the self-confidence. When we feel respected, we tend to feel more self-confident. And then we're more likely to be driven to do things like cherish and express more love and, and value and importance in our lives. So I think... Those have a direct impact on our self-confidence inside the relationship. You stop and think about it when you think about acceptance and approval. Outside of Jesus, who, who do you want to be number one in your life who shows you acceptance and approval? I can accept you and approve of you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but Sherry has it way over me. Exactly. Because, yeah, when you said I do, you guys... Did, designated each other to be the closest person emotionally than anybody. So then, how about avoidance techniques? 
which was so interesting. They may as well just said the husband. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, because typically there is. That's that's one of the reasons why the man cave exists. (laughs) It's the avoidance area. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So anyway, and then who is more dominant, which is really interesting too. Which partner is more dominant? Because that will relate to birth order. Who was the youngest or who was the oldest or where were you in your birth order growing up? And sometimes it can divert to that. So if you have an oldest and a youngest, well, the oldest is likely to be more dominant. Interesting. Yeah, it really is. Dynamics. Yeah. I'm the oldest and Sherry is the next to youngest of five. So you would think. You would think I would be more dominant. Right. I'm just more spoiled. Well, I think Sherry has a better aim. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she had a lot more survival techniques just getting along with than everybody than I did. Right. I just learned to outrun everybody. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So another topic that we talk about, we assess, is how committed are they? And so this is really a big area that do you agree with being committed or do you strongly agree with it or, you know, are you... Do you disagree with being committed? I mean, that really begins to bring out important stuff to talk about. So it also helps begin to build trust as we go forward. Now, there is an awful lot, I think, as you can tell, just from the 30,000-foot view, this goes into an awful lot. And, Tom, I want to give this more, uh, a little more light of day next week okay. to cover more of this this prepare thing. And maybe we can even go through some examples from actual surveys that you've done if we have time next time and yeah, with all kind of show how it yeah. really kind of works. But in the meantime, this is when some couples might be looking at, at premarital counseling. And right. In fact, let's end with that last question. When should couples be starting this process? Well, as soon as they know that they are going to get married and they're engaged, It could be six months before the actual wedding. It could be nine months. Uh, I've had them up to a year. The whole thing is we just take our time and we build some real good skills inside of them so that when they enter into the wedding, they are prepared. And they really know each other a whole lot better than they may have thought they did move going into it. Right. Yeah. So what I think I'm hearing you say is next show – we will zero in to maybe 15,000 feet. Yeah, we'll zoom in. Yeah, we'll kind of drop down a little bit closer to the ground. A little more, a little more um, rubber meets the road. Thing. Yeah. That's All fair. right. So, Tom, if we want to find out more, if someone wants to find out more about Prepare, maybe start a conversation about that. How can they start a conversation with you? Well, I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. 